have you seen the news about certain classic children's books that are being edited to try and make them more inclusive and less offensive? These are famous books, all from one beloved author. I'm sure you know who it is, but his original words are being removed and many times being replaced with alternate words he never wrote. Do you know who that is? I'll tell you all about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this uh, Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, Shrove Tuesday edition of The Inner Life. We were just talking about Shrove Tuesday, one of those other names out there associated with pancakes. Are you getting pancakes today? That was never a thing that I knew about until a few years ago. Well, so uh, glad to have you here for this hour of spiritual direction, The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. One of my favorite books that I read when I was probably around eight or nine years old, I don't know, maybe seven, I, somewhere in that range, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I read it again and again along with the sequel book, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. And after I had read those books and been so engrossed with them, my mom, she told me, hey, there's actually a movie that was made about the story. And that's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It has Gene Wilder, of course, as the character of Willy Wonka. So uh, my mom let me rent that VHS copy from the movie store. I watched that movie again and again. And now that I have kids of my own, Gosh, I've probably watched that movie 20, 25, 30 times. I don't know, just over the years. But for me, when I was coming across it, it was back in the mid-80s, When you know, if, if I'm dating myself by saying a VHS copy of it. Well, now there's news that the estate of Roald Dahl, it, the, the estate has approved the altering of his children's books, classics like Matilda, James and the Giant Peach, and of course, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And they're making hundreds of changes to the texts, and I'm not making up that number. That number I'm actually quoting from a Wall Street Journal article that, that highlighted this. Hundreds of changes to, to the texts of Raul Dahl's books so that they will, as I stated, supposedly be more inclusive, less offensive. These edits are made to revise passages that deal with body weight, that deal with race, that deal with gender. So for instance, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, if you know the story, there's the first boy that finds a golden ticket and is able to tour Willy Wonka's factory. It's a boy who eats way too much all the time, and his name is Augustus Gloop. In the original text of the book, Augustus was described by Roald Dahl as enormously fat, but now the word fat has been excised from that. In the book James and the Giant Peach, there's the cloud men. Now they are referred to as cloud people, getting away from gender. And the giants in the book, the BFG, they no longer eat men, women, and children. They eat people. References in, in uh, Roald Dahl's books to mothers and fathers of children, now that's been replaced with only parents because we wouldn't want any children to have this notion that it takes a biological male and a biological female to have offspring, right? <laughs> I, I, I know, it's, it's ridiculous. And there are all kinds of problems here with these revisions. Everything from the basics of changing the original writing of an author into something that he didn't actually fully write to the obvious political and social agenda that we see at work here, along with 
really quite dangerous consideration of what this might mean in the future, because if a publisher can edit the works of one author, very popular works, what does that mean for any other author? What's stopping a publisher or anybody else from editing any books or writings that don't align with certain beliefs or ideologies? And at what point, when something has been edited, when it's been altered from the original, when does that stop being what it was originally? Because these revised versions of Roald Dahl's books, they'll still be printed and published under the original titles, giving the appearance that they are indeed the same books that everyone has been reading for decades. Many people might not even realize that there have been any changes to the text. The books might give the impression for new readers that they contain the full written stories from the author, that they're the genuine article. But even though they might have the same title, they might have the same cover art, they aren't the authentic, complete original work of Roald Dahl. Now, I don't bring this up to get you worked up or get myself worked up about, uh, you know, social activism that's happening out there. I bring this up because we can encounter things in other areas of life that can have the appearance of being authentic. They might even make claims of authenticity. But when you start to look at the details, when you give it a closer look, you discover that something is missing. And this can happen for us even in the realm of spirituality, in the sacraments. If a key element is missing in a sacrament, then what might appear on the surface to be a sacrament, well, it's not really a sacrament at all. Something didn't happen there the way it was supposed to. One of the most common areas where I think we see this in our contemporary culture is the area of marriage. And I think that comes from a misunderstanding or maybe even a complete ignorance of what makes marriage a sacrament. And many couples, well-meaning couples, they find themselves in non-sacramental marriages. So today on The Inner Life, we want to look at how we can have a proper understanding of the sacrament of marriage and what you can do to fix if your marriage is not sacramental. We also want to discuss what happens when a marriage receives what's called a declaration of nullity, what we commonly refer to as an annulment. And helping us look at marriage, at declarations of nullity, and all things in between, Father Ramil Fajardo is back with us as our spiritual director. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He is a resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral. He's also a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal, and he serves as the director of liturgy and the cardinal's delegate for the St. James Chapel and the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center, and is the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Father Ramil, welcome back to The Inner Life. Always good to have you here. Good morning. Thank you so much. Well, so uh, you, you know we've had this conversation probably, I don't know, three, four times over the last couple of years. And I always like to review basics so that we are at the same starting point. We're all on the same page right out of the gate. So if marriage is a sacrament, can you give us a brief explanation of what a sacrament is? Well, a sacrament is the, uh, the gift of our Lord, which conveys grace in the context of our everyday world. Um, what we have, for example, with the Eucharist 
we have the Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity given under, for, under the forms of bread and wine, the host, and given, uh, given for us as our uh, source of grace and also to make Christ truly present. So the sacraments convey Christ himself. And as we hear in the scriptures, since we're talking about marriage, we're talking about Christ, the words becoming incarnated. So when a man and a woman express words that go along the lines of the vows of the church, I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. The couple exchange Christ himself. Those words become truly Christ in the couple. It takes three to get married, as Fulton Sheen wrote. So the sacrament itself is found in those words. A couple, uh, two Catholics who are expressing those words to one another, using their name, I, John, I, Mary, now invoke Christ, and Christ is present. Again, where the sacrament, where the scripture says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Our Lord himself comes down, and he is made truly present in those words, in the husband and wife, the spouses who are now united in a covenant so intimate as to be unbreakable, because Christ has become present in them. Well, you used that word just a moment ago, covenant. And, you know, I think that might be one of the key things that's missing in marriages is this understanding of marriage being that covenant relationship, not a contract, you know. And and I've seen this in all kinds of areas of discussion when it comes to marriage, especially when we talk about no-fault divorce, when there's things of that nature brought into the conversation. Many people think of marriage as more of a contractual agreement between the husband and wife. The the problem is that a contract, it usually deals with exchanges of goods or services. And then when that, that good or that product, when it's been delivered or a service is completed, the contract ends and it no longer serves any purpose. Understanding a covenant, that that is what we're really entering into, I think can help us grasp, okay, I need to maybe look at this in a different way than I have in the past. Can you help us understand what makes a covenant different from a contract? God himself gave us the definition of the covenant. According to the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church in the glossary, covenant is described as a solemn agreement between human beings or between God and a human being involving mutual commitments or guarantees. All right. So we see that certainly in the Old Testament with God and Noah, with Abraham, with Moses. It, it was the revelation of God through these individuals preparing his people for salvation. And obviously for us of the New Testament, Christ himself was the very promise of shedding his blood on the cross to die for us. So the idea of a covenant is a an intimacy, something so profoundly intimate and giving and receiving that makes the distinction between a contract. I mean, among classmates, we always tend to have little arguments and discussions because it helps improve our ability to define things. So I always cringe, for example, when I hear the word annulment because the church cannot annul a valid 
marriage. It's just once once a man and a woman express that, there is a very the very the very idea of this being unbreakable. It's because it's the very component of the human person. I give and I receive. And another reason why I cringe when I hear the word partner. We hear that a lot because social our our society likes to use the word partner. It's like, but it's not it's not just a partnership. It is spousal. It is life giving and life receiving. And that is the idea when you see Christ on the cross, the very pinnacle of our sacramental theology is Christ on the cross giving his blood for us, dying, his life itself is for us, then you have the example of every single sacrament, every aspect of human existence then is seen in that totality of giving. Mm. Uh, well, and maybe we can follow up here in just a moment where you said that the church itself can't grant, you know, it cannot annul a marriage and and Correct. I you know I, <laughs> the proper term even though we say annulment the proper phrase is a declaration of nullity I, I know that that's you know um, and, and words are important you know they have meaning and and right. so the fact that what you're saying with that is not the church has ended or declared a, a marriage that once was no longer to be the declaration of nullity is just recognizing is this or is this not actually a marriage sacramentally correct it's and people also get very afraid of a sense of judgment and it somehow makes people lesser in the eyes of the church and others so over the you know over the decades when people hear about the word annulment or divorce there's a stigma attached to it and you know that that's that's a society that we live in however the the process of a declaration of nullity is very simple it is a simple answer to one question was this consent expressed between two individuals what the church calls a sacramental marriage it's that's where it that's where it ends it is a simple statement yes or no it is a declaration that this marriage was null. It was not sacramental in the way we understand a sacramental marriage. That the consent was in one way or another not present or defective. Right. That's it. No further judgments on a person's. And and let's get into that because, like you say, that stigma, that that worry of being judged because of you know whether it, we're talking divorce, whether we're talking about that declaration of nullity, um, <clears throat> you know that th there can be a lot of emotions that get involved in uh, in that that part right there. But again, our spiritual director here on the Inner Life today is Father Ramil Fajardo. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He is uh, judge on the Metropolitan Tribunal for the Archdiocese, and speaking about something he deals with regularly, um, you know, the, this this aspect of, is a marriage sacramental, or is it not? Maybe you have a question about marriage, about divorce, about annulments, that declaration of nullity that the Catholic Church teaches about. Maybe you've even gone through the annulment process yourself, 
And I've spoken with many people who have told me personally it was a very healing experience for them. We'd love to hear your story. But again, if you have a question and you'd like to speak with Father Ramil, our phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Uh, Father, let's go to Rachel, who is calling, listening in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Hi, Rachel. You're on the air. Hi, Josh, and hi, Father. Um, thank you for Good taking morning. my call. Good morning. So I have the um, blessing of going to planning a wedding with my daughter, who's getting married this this summer. And um, she's marrying somebody who is not baptized. He is a um, non-practicing Jewish. And wow. we are going through the steps of getting a dispensation because it's important to her to have her wedding in the church and recognized by the church. So when you um, were talking about, you know, it being sacramental or not a marriage, um, my understanding is that this won't be a sacrament for her. But is there a twist in that, that it would still be a sacramental marriage because it's valid in the eyes of the church? The the church's teaching, well, thank you for your question. Um, the church's teaching is very clear. Marriage is valid between a man and a woman who express consent in front of witnesses period okay Catholics are expressing marriage with another Catholic and presumed validly baptized which then raises it to the level of a sacrament what you have is a natural marriage which is a natural right between human beings between a man and a woman it is a, it is a marriage that is recognized as valid, but it's the sacrament that makes Christ present. Since mm -hmm. her future husband is not baptized, and again, the whole idea is to also invite him to consider this. There's no, yes. Pope Francis has a real problem with proselytism, but it's actually not a bad word. It's uh, bringing Christ to others and bringing others to Christ, and to talk to him about what is the beauty of our faith? Why would we consider a sacrament so important? Because Christ is truly present, right? But the the simple answer is, it is not the sacrament. It is a valid marriage. It is it, it is you know the presence of the church could be there in, in giving a special uh, a special blessing to the couple, but it's not what we would consider the sacrament of matrimony. And it's not marriage. It's matrimony. In fact, the ritual was just relabeled maybe about two years ago. It used to be the rite of marriage, and now it's called the ritual of matrimony. And it was very mm -hmm. deliberate of a retitling because matrimony, the root is matris or mater, motherhood. And it's that life-giving aspect, the gift of life coming through the very sacrament of uh, two, uh, two individuals expressing their consent to one another for life. Okay, so that's that's a, that's a difficulty is trying to explain to people that the sacrament is in fact seen between the baptized. That's what the code expresses. That's our theology. But you know, may, may she and her future fiance, her future husband be blessed. Of course. Yeah, good question, Rachel. Thanks for calling in. Um, I, I think what we're seeing here in this response that you just gave, Father, to Rachel's question. It, it's going to be a lot of our conversation today where there is 
the distinction between words that we think mean one thing, but we might need to be a little more refined in what we're actually saying in our language to make sure we're expressing the 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 truth correctly in a lot right. of these different situations. One other thing, and, and we need to go to a break here too, but um, one thing that is important as well, we say it very regularly here on The Inner Life, but we're talking about things in pretty short responses, um, you know, the the ability to dive deeper into some of the specifics that people have in their own individual situations, um, you know, circumstances that are unique to them, that's going to be better handled by seeing a, a spiritual director in private rather than what we can talk about more in the broad strokes of application here on the air. Right. Right. These are very intimate and uh, special questions that are always handled delicately, in a, with a sense of refinement and respect. There's a dignity to Christian marriage, so or marriage in general between a man and a woman. There's a there's a dignity here that trying to talk about it in brief uh, brief uh, sentences doesn't do sufficient justice to it. These are intimate questions. But that said, we're talking about it because it is uh, an area that there's a lot of confusion out there. Uh, there's a lot of questions, and maybe you have a question about what the church teaches regarding marriage, regarding uh, matrimony, divorce, the the process of going through receiving that declaration of nullity, annulments, as we kind of call them in our modern-day parlance. If you'd like to call in and speak with Father Ramil, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll be right back with more of your phone calls and more from Father Ramil in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on this Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined today by Father Emil Fajardo. And of course, uh, you know, having a wonderful conversation here, but also want to encourage you, if you have not made kind of, you know, your, your definite plans of what you're doing for Lent, starts tomorrow, Ash Wednesday, uh, if you haven't done that, go to our website. A great way for you to make this a wonderful Lent is signing up for Father Rocky, our executive director here at Relevant Radio, his Lenten lessons on the Mass. And you'll see as soon as you go to relevantradio.com on the homepage there, you can sign up. All you have to do is put your name and your email address in there, and you'll get those Lenten lessons on the Mass every day throughout the Lenten season. And Father Rocky, he'll walk you through understanding all the different aspects of what's happening at different points in the Mass, even some of the things you might not realize that are happening, you know, some of the, the private prayers that are prayed by the priest, why we make certain uh, postures at different points. There's so much there. Uh, there's written text that you can read through. Uh, 
about the the mass. There's the audio you can listen to, and then Father Rocky also has videos that you can watch that go through and show you what happens there in the the chapel or the parish or you know whatever church setting that you're in. Uh, you can sign up again at our website relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app, and all of this is absolutely free. Uh, there's no cost. We we just want you to learn more about the Mass so that when you go, you're able to uh, be more engaged in what's happening. You have a better understanding. It allows you to love and appreciate what is happening there. And of course, then grow closer to our Lord, grow closer to Christ in the Eucharist there at Mass. Again, RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, Again, talking with Father Ramil Fajardo today in our, our topic today, marriage, divorce, annulments, uh, those declarations of nullity that we talk about. What are those? uh, Maybe you have a question about the Church's teaching on one of these different aspects. Maybe you've gone through that process of receiving that declaration of nullity. Um, How did that work in your life? Many people I've talked to say it's a very healing process. Um, It can be a long process, though, too. We'd love to hear how that has helped you in your spiritual journey to grow closer to Christ. 877-2—I'm sorry, 888-914-9149 is the phone number to call in here. I just about gave out our front office number. Our our studio line, 888-914-9149 is the number to call in and speak with Father Ramil, or you can email us, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Father, let's go back to the phones. Maria calling in from San Jose. Hi, Maria. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Good morning, Josh. Go right ahead. Uh, wanted to thank, thank you, Father. I have a question. Now, I was married for 18 years, and then I got an annulment, and I'm worried um, about what happened all that time that I was married. Now that I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to, you know, uh, go to hell for the, that time uh, that I was living in sin or, or wasn't or was I not living in sin? And um, also, I have a question about, I have two children. Now, are they uh, legitimate children? Or, I don't know. That's my question. What are they? Uh, Okay. Good questions. Um, Two things. First, uh, First point, as far as your spiritual condition, that's what your pastor is there to help you with. Again, remember that that the annulment declaration of nullity process is not about judging you as a person. You are you are beloved of the Father, and the Scripture uh, is full of examples of God Himself asking us for conversion. And time is not the issue the heart is the is what's at stake the heart and the mind and the will so scripture is very full of the stories of god himself calling us back to him so your pastor is a very good starting point and a good place to begin also a a trusted friend a spiritual director can help you with that question most importantly remember where, where do we hear this in scripture god sent his only beloved son that he might save the world, not condemn it. Okay? Our Lord's entire purpose is to bring back all the children. So that should give you great comfort in your first question. Go to confession. Speak with your pastor. And, you know, in confidence, 
pour out your heart to them and just say, you know, this is what I've been thinking. And second question, it's an age-old question that comes up all the time, what about my kids? First and foremost, the idea of legitimate, illegitimate was a concept in ancient Europe thousand, a thousand years ago where the kingdoms were trying to divide up, well, who gets what? The issue was always about the legal transaction of business and property, especially property. Okay? So the church does not say legitimate, illegitimate. They are your children. That's all that you need to know. They're, they are your beloved children. And the question of legitimacy, illegitimacy was a business and uh, political matter that the kingdoms of Europe were working out when it came to marriage and possible annulments, things like that, declarations of nullity back then, even then. But that's not a question for you. They're your children. They are absolutely, I mean, I, I hate to even, Josh, what do you think? I even hate to say the word legitimate because they are. They're simply right. not anything other than your children. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think this is also getting into an area here, too, where when we talk about declarations of nullity, it's really important. And and I my my language, my uh, yeah, the words I use might be imprecise, so please correct me if I say something not quite on, on uh, point here. But the civil marriage that somebody can have is still recognized by the church. You mentioned, you know, it's a natural state, a natural union, that that matrimony, that marriage that happens there. It just might be not a sacramental marriage. It might not be valid in the eyes of the church. So that can either get fixed, or if for some reason that civil union, that civil marriage is dissolved, then there is the ability to recognize through that declaration of nullity, well, there wasn't ever a sacramental marriage. There wasn't a valid marriage in the eyes of the Church ever to begin with. To begin with. Mm-hmm. But but that, that civil marriage is still recognized by the Church as being a lawful union of husband and wife, and of course those kids that are conceived, that, that are born, that are grown in that family, there's there's never a question of legitimacy versus illegitimacy. Exactly. And that's something that I have to remind people all the time. Thank you for clarifying that. The idea is not to say a relationship did not exist. It did. Something existed. What we know is that your prior relationship produced children. And again, that is a fact. It is, it's not a judgment on whether or not they are legitimate or illegitimate. It is a statement of fact that there was a prior relationship and there were children born from it. Now, remember what I said at the very beginning of this, at, the church is concerned of, with only one question. Was there an exchange, of cons- exchange and reception of consent which we would understand as the sacrament of matrimony? Yes or no. Judgments are not involved with the children, with your the state of your the spiritual state of your soul, things like that. That's what a, that's what our pastors are supposed to be helping us with. You know, um, it's a simple simple question that we're answering. Again, talking with Father Ramil Fajardo today on the inner life about marriage, about divorce, about annulments, and the phone number to call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149 if you have a question and would like to speak with Father Ramil. Uh, Father, I want to get back to the phones here, but maybe really briefly before we do, um, 
there's that distinction between civil marriage and sacramental marriage that we've kind of talked about here. Um, can maybe you help clarify for us the difference between there's this kind of common notion in our society that a declaration of nullity is simply a Catholic word for divorce, you know, that that's, well, right. it, you just got a divorce from the Catholic Church rather than from the state. Can you, can you right. help us understand the difference, the distinction between the two? Sure, because in the Church's eyes, and this is one of those difficult truths that just simply have to be stated, um, a civil, quote-unquote, civil marriage is not what we consider marriage. A Catholic expresses matrimony marriage in the usual way, which is a Catholic marries another Catholic in the presence of witnesses in which they exchange and receive consent and make promises to one another for life and being open to children. That's what we define as marriage. So any other use of the word marriage outside of that is not what we would consider marriage. So the idea of a civil marriage, difficult as it is to hear, is not ultimately what we consider marriage. We have defined marriage. Right. <laughs> right. There is one definition, and we're going to stay with that. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Father Ramil, uh, let's go back to the phones, and I'll throw out the phone number one more time. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Brandon calling in from Chicago. Hi, Brandon. You're on the air with Father Ramil. Brandon, are you there? Hi, good afternoon. Oh, great. Good okay. afternoon, Father. Sorry about good that. Good morning. Um, sure. So, yeah, I'm, I was just calling. I had a question uh, regarding annulments. Um, I'm currently engaged, uh, hopefully soon to be married, to my fiance. Congratulations. non Catholic. Thank you. Uh, she's non Catholic, non baptized. Um, she was previously married since divorced, uh, also to someone non Catholic, non baptized. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to get married at our local parish, and we were informed that even though it was a, a civil marriage uh, that had ended, um, that we would, that she would still have to get an annulment from the church in order for, for us to be married in the parish. And I was just kind of looking for some clarification as to maybe why that is, um, seeing that there is that distinction between civil marriage and, uh, you know, the Catholic sacrament of marriage. Good, excellent question. Excellent question. Catholics are expected to marry as Catholics. And everybody else, the church, will honor and respect. So if a man and a woman who are unbaptized have a civil marriage and they make an expression of consent and promise of fidelity to one another, the church respects that. Plain and simple. I know this is it's a very interesting question because people say, Well, how could that be? Well, we have to also remember they are not obliged to follow Catholic rules. If they're non Catholic, they're not obliged. It makes a difference when they come to us and say, I would like to marry in the Catholic way. Then we can say, All right, tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, a an unbaptized and an unbaptized are not obliged to follow our rules, provided that they exchange consent and received promises, then we will respect that. They are adults. They are in full capacity of their, of their, uh, their, their intellect, all those things. That is precisely why the church must respect freedom. 
a man and a woman are free to confect marriage and they make those promises in exchange. We're not going to interfere with that. We respect a man and a woman's freedom that much that outside of the church, if your faith tradition or if your tradition allows you to do that civilly, we respect that. Same thing with a uh, Lutheran marrying an Episcopalian, a Lutheran marrying a whatever. I'm just I'm throwing examples out there. All the various permutations. If their faith tradition permits it and it expresses what they consider marriage, we accept it until proven otherwise. It's just as simple as that. We respect. All right. Uh, I hope that hel- helps, Brandon. Uh, Father, you know, one of the things you've mentioned a couple times here is that there has to be that consent. There has to be free consent that's given. Um, maybe you can walk us through what does that entail? What are the things that allow for somebody to freely consent to be married? As I, I think it's actually fairly simple. A, a, a man or a woman with the full uh, understanding of what they're about to undertake, choose to marry uh, in the Catholic Church with no pressure. Mom or dad or grandmother cannot be looking over their shoulder. The, uh, the, the, the parody that we see in Hollywood of the shotgun behind one's back, that's not, that is not freedom to marry. A, an individual chooses to enter into this union, this covenant, fully aware of the totality of giving. Um, you know, and, and Josh, I'm going to have to be very, I have to apologize because this is a lot of this is straddling the line between law and theology, mm-hmm. but it's the, the Code of Canon Law itself from 1983 expresses that desire that law is undergirded by our theology. So it's not just a legal contract, like you said earlier. It's not just a partnership. No, this is a totality of giving. So again, our pastors, myself included, I'm working with couples who are preparing to marry. I, I, I don't want to say grill them, but I'm actually very interested to find out whether or not they truly understand what it means to give life, both children, but also life to their partner. And, and again, I don't want to say partner. I, I, I retract that word. Their spouse. <laughs> Let's, words have consequences, as you said. Right. Their spouse, their future beloved. And it is meant to bring the other to heaven. And I, as a priest, am completely unashamed to use language that expresses that. Your goal is to get your spouse to heaven. And that openness to life means that God has gifted you with children and there they are supposed to be brought to heaven as well you have been gifted with life and your spouse also has life you give that gift of life to your spouse so it is a totality of giving and receiving so Sorry. Anyway, no. The, thank you. Thanks for the clarification. There's a lot here that we're trying to unpack again in a very short amount of time during this hour of the inner life. Uh, our spiritual director is Father Ramil Fajardo. If you joined us late, number one, I'd say go back and listen to the entire hour after the podcast is posted, and it'll be posted here. Oh, in, in about 20 minutes from now, um, you can find it at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. If you have a question as you're listening. 
uh, as we're talking about marriage, as we're talking about divorce, as we're talking about annulments, that declaration of nullity uh, that recognizes if yes or no, was there a valid sacramental marriage there in the first place? Uh, any questions, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Ramil and the phone number into the studio, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Ron, Lisa, we're going to try and get you both on the air here coming up next, and we'll try and get to as many other calls as we can before the hour runs out. Be right back here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today speaking with Father Ramil Fajardo, a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He is a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal, and we're talking about marriage, about divorce, about the declarations of nullity that the Catholic Church uh, grants, that it recognizes, that it um, acknowledges when there isn't that sacramental valid marriage in the eyes of the Church. What does that mean? Maybe you have a question about this and you'd like to call in and speak with Father Ramil, 888-914-9149. Father, let's go back to the phones. Ron is listening in Minnesota. Hi, Ron. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning. Um, First of all, just quickly, I wanted to thank you for all you guys do at Relevant Radio. This is my first time actually calling in on a subject. Um, so I was uh, I got married uh, and uh, sort of under extenuating circumstances, the priest was um, made some you know some suggestions that maybe we wait, and we of course decided to get married, and um, <clears throat> we ended up having three children. We ended up getting divorced. Um, we did go through an annulment process and um, did have the annulment granted, and, and I've since got remarried. But um, I have three grown children, and, and you know, they we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the issue of the divorce and the annulment. Um, and my question is, how how do you breach that subject with with children? At any age, I guess, and and I get along well with my ex-spouse, and we are on good terms. But I I would also like to preach a subject just for healing in that regard. What I understand you saying is that this uh, this prior marriage, whether with the children or with your former spouse, would would be healing certainly for you because you could kind of initiate the healing. And also to answer any questions from the children, I would say number one, there is no rush uh, unless there is an issue. There's really no rush in trying to force the issue. I think the children, given their ages, I don't know the ages, but if they're uh, fairly mature enough to handle the subject, they could bring it up, or you would know the best time to bring it up. I'm now speaking just as a priest in general that healing is important but also 
understand why you want to approach them about the topic. Um, I, I, I can sense, Ron, that you want to have some healing to explain yourself uh, and the, the situation. Wonderful. That's important. But there's also a rhythm that's necessary to make sure that the parties are receptive. It's, it's very important because, again, respect. It's not about wanting to explain yourself solely. It's whether or not they are in the moment capable of receiving the conversation. Um, I think you're going to be the best judge of that. I think you're more likely to do that with your former spouse. If you're on good terms, as you say, that's wonderful. And as adults, as certainly as the parties involved, that's going to take a little bit of time. But I think you will know the best time to do it. If you take it prayerfully, carefully, and with a sense of... Uh, confidence. I would say also talk with your pastor or a trusted uh, clergy friend to advise you on that because these are delicate matters. Um, yeah. Again, our reason for doing something is uh, something that has to be acknowledged. Why, why would you like to do this? And a lot of respect for your children's rights and for your former spouse are important. Take it very carefully, prayerfully, and with a sense of confidence, but again, just, I guess, as they would always say to us, read the room, <laughs> you know, what's, what's going on, how do you think it would be received, and what's the best way of doing it, especially given how uh, the ages of the children. All right. Yeah, Ron, good question. Thanks for calling in. Uh, Father, let's go to Lisa listening in Florida. Lisa, glad to have you here on The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi, thank you very much. Um, my question uh, relates to whether or not I should, um, you know, proceed with an annulment. Um, I, I was married 20 years ago. I was divorced 20 years ago. My uh, ex-husband had been married prior to uh, our marriage. It was in the church. That marriage was annulled. Our marriage was in the church. As I said, I've been divorced for 20, you know, over 20 years now. He got married um, after after me. I've never been married, uh, you know, since then. And, um, you know, I've just been considering having the marriage annulled, um, you know, and it, because, you know, he's been married since. And, you know, unfortunately, his, his uh, wife after me just passed away and he's dating again. I just feel like, uh, you know, to clear, to, to clear, clear the way, I guess, if he wants to marry again, I, I just, um, I want to, you know, not, you know, I, I don't think it was a valid marriage. I was very young. We did agree to it, but I wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. Tough question. That's a tough question. Um, difficult does not mean impossible in the eyes of the law. And I, as I always do with whenever I appear with Josh on, on the show about nullity, this is purely an opportunity to discuss what is marriage. You really should speak with somebody at your parish, your pastor, as well as somebody at your local tribunal. For this reason, they would know the best way to help you because the local guys who know you best could do so. Now, on a, sh on a radio show like this, um, if it's helpful for others who are listening, the point of your question is to ask yourself, what are your feelings in regards to this prior marriage with, with your former spouse? 
um, a good spiritual director locally could help you navigate what your motivations are and what your feelings are. These are super important. You cannot ignore them. But uh, keep in mind that it's it's his behavior that's that is kind of informing your own question. That's why you're calling in. I think a good uh, session with your pastor or a uh, annulment ministry person, as we would call it, could help you sort this out because it seems that you've been reconciled to the event of 20 years ago and uh, it's his behavior that's kind of um, stirring up these memories or stirring up a question. So it's a very good question, a very excellent question, but a tough one, yeah. a very difficult one, in fact. Uh, Father, let's talk, though, about somebody who, you know, let's say it's, uh, you know, similar to Lisa, but there's not any there's not any behavior on an ex-spouse's part that is prompting this. Because I've spoken with people who have gone through the annulment process, and they know they're, they don't want to get married again, they want to remain single, but they still mm-hmm. seek out that declaration of nullity, and the people that I've talked to describe it as a very healing process. Why is that? Why would somebody seek out that declaration of nullity if there's not a future marriage potential? If there, if if an individual is interested in pursuing it, on many levels, it's to put to rest in their own mind and heart that if there was a mistake in the past, it was recognized by the church. Many many of us seek the church's approval, and to be able to hear, yes, there was something there, that it was not one fault or another. The church's and therefore Christ's approval means a lot to some individuals and it should actually mean a lot to all of us <laughs> right. if if we profess the faith it should mean a lot uh there are some people who find it very difficult to address the subject and would just rather say eh, it happened yeah. but for some that need to pursue it the need i would read it to be is that somebody wants to be able to say christ himself through the church said be at peace be at peace about that very turbulent moment in your life. Yeah, well, and, you know, that kind of goes back to, I think it was Maria who was worried about, you know, that annulment or, or the, the marriage in her past, and, you know, mm-hmm. is that something where that's going to be held against her? You know, being able to walk into the confessional and trust that when you receive absolution, those words that are prayed over you in the person of Christ there by the priest, that, you know, having that trust, God forgives, and he no longer holds that, as you said. You know, he didn't come into the world, Jesus, to condemn the world. So that, that's, that's so important to remember. Very important for us to hear. People need the church to hear that. All right. Well, Father, we've got about 30 seconds left. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? As we prepare to enter the sacred season of Lent, let us go with bended knee before our Lord and to see the power that is in the cross of salvation. May Almighty God bless all of you, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much for being here, Father Ramil. Always a great hour when we get to talk with you. Stay tuned. Mass coming up next. And again, I would very highly recommend uh, go back and listen to the entire hour of the podcast when it's posted here in just a few moments at relevant radio.com or on the relevant radio app share it with a friend somebody who might be helped by this conversation and we'll see you back here tomorrow on ash wednesday for the inner life